Who decides medicine prices? How are vaccines made? Have questions about the healthcare industry? Welcome to 19 Conversations. Today, we're asking Catherine Boudot, Director of the Trademark Department at Servier, fighting the fakes, what's industry's role? I'm Jackie Davis. Thank you for joining the conversation. So, Catherine, a very warm welcome. Can we start with what we are talking about? What are falsified medicines and how serious and widespread is this phenomenon worldwide? Well, uh, you know, counterfeit and falsified medicine is a very serious issue and uh, it poses significant risk for patients. And, you know, it, it covers any type of medicines and vaccines also, and that in all the therapeutic categories and under all type of forms, tablets, injectable. So you can find counterfeit medicines almost everywhere in the world. And, uh, you know, we are a member at Servier of the Pharmaceutical Security Institute, which is an association gathering 38 pharmaceutical companies. And I would like to give some figures to make this concrete. Uh, in 2019, uh, this association, PSI, they reported 1,500 cases of counterfeit medicines. And this was in 99 countries and for 500 different medicines corresponding to 15 therapeutic categories. So, so yes, I, I would say there are fake medicines almost everywhere. And you can find even those falsified medicinal products in the legitimate supply chain. That means uh, legitimate supply chains means at the level of the licensed distributors or the hospitals or the pharmacies. And, uh, you know, also in the EU, in Europe, there are counterfeit medicines. And in 2019, there were almost 200 incidents and uh, eight uh, were in the legitimate supply chain. And of course, th those fake medicines, they can seriously harm patients because they may contain active principle or they may not contain any. And they can also contain fewer active ingredients or even a different active ingredient. And really, when you see pictures of the manufacturing conditions of those falsified drugs, you really feel scary. You know, they are made by criminals and they have only one goal. It's to make money. Uh, just to be clear, um, is there a difference when we talk about falsified medicines, counterfeit medicines? We use the word fake. Are we always talking about the same thing or do they mean different things? Well, no, in fact, we're talking about the same thing, but uh, the legal grounds are not the same. A counterfeit medicine is a trademark infringement. It reproduces or a product trademark or a company logo trademark, and this without the consent of the trademark order. And uh, often, really, it replicates exactly the trademark, but not only the trademark, the packaging, the batch number, the expiration date, so as to be taken as the genuine medicine. And the fake or the falsified medicine, which is the same word for two, uh, fake <laughs> or falsified, this is a breach of the pharma regulation. And so public authorities, they can also act against those falsified products. And you know, the, the pharma regulation has defined, for example, in the EU, the falsified medicine directive has defined the falsified product. And it is any medicinal product, what they call with a false representation. And it could be a false representation of its identity, that means the packaging, the labeling, the name, the composition, the, the ingredients, the exceptions, the strains. It can also be a false representation of its source. That means the manufacturer, the country of manufacturing, the country of origin, or the marketing authorization holder. And it could be also false representation of its history. And that means the records and the documents that goes with the drug. For example, the fake license of importation, a fake invoice going with the, the medicinal product. So you see the definition of falsified medicine is broader. 
But in both cases, I mean, the result is the same. The criminals, they want to pass their product as authentic medicines. And the, the counterfeit or the falsified medicine are dangerous for health because they have been manufactured, they have been stored, sold, transported without having any authorization. And as I've already mentioned, in dramatic unsanitary conditions. Uh, and we're talking about this, Catherine, in the time, obviously, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, what impact has this issue had in relation to COVID? Have we learned anything during the first wave of the pandemic about the, how widespread this problem is in relation to COVID-19? Yes, indeed, we learned because, uh, of course, uh, for the first wave and still now, there were a lot of fears and anxiety and this from every one of us, I would say. And also there were shortages of what we call personal protective equipment, that is face mask, sanitizing gel, and we couldn't find those products in pharmacies. So we were locked down and we went, many of us, they went and tried uh, internet to try to find those, uh, those personal protective equipment. And so, of course, the criminal, they immediately adapted to this high demand. They were very agile, really, to switch to COVID-19 unproven treatment and uh, fake vaccines. Uh, already in March, you could find fake vaccines on social media. You can find also fake or unapproved corona tests on WhatsApp. So, and obviously fake protective equipment uh, everywhere. And at this time in March, there were big seizures of fake masks, fake sanitizing gel and fake medicines. And what we learned is that on the positive side, I would say that we rapidly organized a public-private cooperation to protect patients, in fact. And there were a number of operations that have been conducted at this time and beginning in March, in fact. And uh, I will mention the example of Europol. And probably you know that Europol is the EU agency for law enforcement cooperation. And they coordinated an operation that they called SHIELD and targeting both misused and counterfeit medicines. And this operation was led by France, Finland, Greece, and Italy, and it involved law enforcement authorities from 27 countries, and also the OLAF, which is the European Anti-Fraud Office, and obviously the pharma industry, with the Pharmaceutical Security Institute I have already mentioned, and also the private internet sector. So you see this operation that took place between March and September 2020, and the results were very impressive because there were more than 25 million units of medicines and doping substances that have been seized and almost 700 suspects have been arrested. And about 33 million medical devices also have been seized, such as face masks, tests and diagnostic kits. So really, this was a, a key operation with cooperation both between public authorities and also between the private and the public sector. So when it comes to us as individuals, I mean, you mentioned there some of the issues. People were obviously desperate to get their hands at the beginning of the pandemic on protective equipment, on masks, on gloves and sanitizing gel. And now, uh, of course, the focus is on the vaccine. What can people do to be sure that they are safe when they are ordering medicines online? Well, you, you are right. This really, Jackie, is a crucial question because I would just mention one figure to explain what is the issue with that. Uh, 96% of online pharmacies are illicit. So, of course, this is huge. And uh, really, we need to learn what are the best practices uh, to buy safely medicine online if we want to buy safely medicine online, of course. And for the vaccines, you are right, this is the issue now. And I would like here to have a very simple message. 
because in the EU, you cannot find any COVID-19 vaccines online. You know, the pharmaceutical companies, they sell the COVID-19 vaccines only to governments. And so if you find an offer of online, of course, this is highly suspicious. You should not buy it, really. It just simply shouldn't be there. It cannot be legitimate. So don't purchase it. Don't be fooled. Yeah, exactly. Beware, really. Don't purchase it. And for the other pharmaceutical products, of course, you should be aware of the huge number of illicit offers of medicines online. And also, you know, I'm sure you have already <laughs> go and look at the internet and those illicit online pharmacies, really, they have the appearance of legitimate pharmacies. And so you really, you cannot make the difference just at looking at the design of the website or the country where they pretend to be established or even the price at which they propose the medicines. Of course, when they pretend to offer cheap price or bargain price, this could be maybe an indication, but they can also choose to offer high price to appear legitimate to you. And, and you know, in fact, uh, they sell product either without marketing authorization or without prescription when a prescription is needed, or they are not licensed to sell medicine, or they sell falsified or substandard product. And social media, and this is also a warning, social media and instant messaging apps, they, they are the vectors that are used to propose those illicit medicines for sale. And obviously, you, you know, Jackie, a medicine is a very specific product. It's highly regulated, and this for safety reasons. So any offer for sale not complying with the pharma regulation puts us and any one of us at risk. So are there some very simple rules that people can follow uh, if they intend to order uh, medicines online for very good reasons. Uh, could you give them some very simple, this is what you need to do, a yeah. checklist? Yeah, yeah, because there are rules and you are right, they are simple. So first I would say uh, in the country where you live, you have to ask yourself, can I order medicines online? So you need for that to check on uh, the health agency website of the country where you live, what you are allowed to buy online. And then uh, this is very simple. If you live in the EU, you know, there is a regulation. And so the website should display what we call the common EU logo. Well, of course, it's a conversation. It cannot show you the common EU logo, but you, you, you need to check on the internet, common EU logo, how it looks like. And this common EU logo has a flag, and this is the flag of the country where the retailer or the pharmacist is based in. And so this logo will help you to identify the legally operating online pharmacies and retailers. So first you check the logo and then you click on the logo and the online pharmacy has to be listed on the National Regulatory Authority website. So, you know, it's really a double verification. And the flag, which is on the, on the common EU logo, has to be the flag of a national EU country and not the EU flag. And, and really, this is simple to follow and you should follow it. Because if you buy medicines from a website which is not listed by a national EU member state, of course, you take the risk. The first risk is not to receive any product because this could be a fraud or, or you can receive a product that contains ingredients of low quality or no ingredients at all or not at a good dosage or with a different active ingredient. And so always receive the consequences for, for your health, in fact. Um you talked earlier about the positive side of COVID in relation to this issue because you talked about that vital, rapid public-private cooperation. More broadly, I want to turn to the role of your industry in all of this and then to the role of us as individuals if we are to win this fight against falsified and dangerous medicines. Pharmaceutical industry first. Um, how do you see your role and, and what are you doing? Well, our role is 
obviously important and my company and the pharmaceutical industry at large is really very committed in this fight because again this is a serious health issue and, and so we are proactive and we want to mobilize all and any actor because you know i strongly believe this is both an individual and a collective fight and so we have anti-falsification programs and of course there are multi-layers and we have different and complementary actions for example Well, for me, very important is to detect the falsified products and this, of course, before they reach the patient. And so obviously different points of our program are, are designed to raise the alert in, in case of suspicion, of course. We also have internal processes, obviously, and trainings. We, we do conduct trainings both internally and externally because training really is key for raising awareness and our industry is conducting numerous trainings. Obviously, you, you can imagine we work also with customs because they are key player in, in stopping the entry of falsified product at the border. And I'm sure you know, Jackie, that there is also in the EU and in many countries in the world now the serialization. And this plays an important role in, of course, an anti-counterfeiting strategy. And on this, FPI has been and still is a, really a major actor in implementing this system. How does it work? How does serialization work? Well, it's a unique identifier and what we call an anti-tampering device on each box. The anti-tampering device is that when you open the box, you can see it has been opened. So in the EU, the manufacturers, they do affix on prescription medicines, this unique identifier and this anti-tampering device. They upload it this on the central repository. And then at the end, the pharmacist or the hospital Before dispensing the product, they have to scan the data matrix so as to check this unique number has not yet been delivered. And of course, if it has been delivered, there is an alert. And of course, the product is not delivered to the patient. So, so you see, there are a number of measures that we are taking, and I would not detail every measure, of course, implemented by our industry, but I will re-insist on the necessary cooperation between all actors. And really, this is a, a key point, I really believe. And it's not only between us, of course, between all the pharmaceutical industry, we are cooperating. And those, this through our federations or associations such as FPR or PSI, but also it is between all the health actors. And obviously, I have mentioned already the public authorities and not only between us and the public authorities, but between the public authorities themselves. And obviously, this at national and international level. So really, this is the key to the success. So that joining forces to work together on this. But you said uh, that you strongly believe this is both an individual and a collective effort. Let's turn to the individual now. What can I do? What can anyone listening to this podcast who isn't in the pharma industry, isn't in a public authority, but what can we all do as citizens and as patients uh, to help in this fight? Yeah, you are right. Of course, we have a role to play, really. And for instance, when we order on those illicit websites, we are not only taking risks for ourselves or for our families, but we, we can say we fuel the driver for having those illicit websites making money and finally continue to spread and grow. And so you see that the lesser is the demand, the better. Uh, so to make those criminals' business less profitable. And I believe this is the part we have to play to have an impact on, really on this dangerous sanitary issue. Catherine Boudot? 
Thank you very much. And thank you to you for listening to 19 Conversations. If you like this podcast, please click on the subscribe button to be the first to know when we release our next episode. And please leave a rating and review. And until our next episode, we'd invite you to join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag questions inspire solutions. Goodbye. Thank you.